Thanks so much for listening today. We hope that through this message, you are being filled with the grace and hope found in the person of Jesus Christ. If this message and ministry has made an impact on you in any way, be sure to let us know about it by emailing us at mystory@thefuelchurch.com. And even if you couldn't be here in person, be sure to check in with us on Instagram and Facebook to let us and others know that you are listening and growing with us here at Fuel Church. Every month through these check-ins, we are making a global difference. Now, let's jump into this week's message. Week number one of anxious, let's say it together, for nothing. One more time, anxious for nothing. Anxious for nothing. Um, this is a message series for those of us who may feel heavy in spirit. This is a message series for those who might be worried about something, could be a health issue, might be a tough financial season that you're in, could be you're worried about your kids and their safety as you send them off to school each day. This is a series for someone who is in the middle of making a very tough decision that could change the very course of their life. This is a series for those who fear losing someone they love. This is a series for those who are worried with fear and anxiety. I believe if we were all honest in here today, we would say that to some level, we all deal with anxiety, some greater than others. I want to get right away to our text that is going to lay the foundation for the next several weeks for us. And I want to encourage you to get here every week. Um, tonight is part one. Sunday will be part two of this series. I encourage you to lean into this because I believe that this series is going to help us. Do you believe that tonight? Come on, put your hand right here on your heart and say, I believe this series is going to help me. Our text is found in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 7, and I want to lay a foundation first to tell you a little bit about Paul. Someone say Paul. Paul. We're back to Paul, y'all. I love Paul. He's my, my favorite Bible character, in case you didn't know, and he wrote kind of a lot of the New Testament, almost two-thirds of it. And uh, we find Paul here locked up. Someone say locked up locked up in a Roman prison, not knowing what his future holds. He's been sent on assignment. His assignment is to preach the good news of the gospel of grace. And the Romans didn't like this, what Paul was doing. And so here we find him locked up, chained actually to a prisoner 24 hours a day, in limbo. I don't know about you, but one of the worst places to be is limbo. And what I mean by that is, he didn't know his fate. He didn't know if they were going to kill him, if they were going to keep him, or if they're going to set him free. And here he is 24 hours a day chained to a Roman guard. Here we find Paul, and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he pins Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 7, locked up 24 hours a day to a Roman guard. And Paul says this, and I read, and you'll see it on the screens. Rejoice in the Lord always. 
Oh, I'll say it again. (laughs) I love Paul here because he knew we wouldn't get it. Let me say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. I want you to say that today. The Lord is near. Come on, one more time. The Lord is near. Do not, do not be what? Anxious about anything. One translation says, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. But in every situation, by what? Prayer and petition with? Present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will, not if, when you do what the scripture says, it will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is Paul, locked up 24 hours a day to a Roman guard sitting in the prison, not knowing what his future holds, not knowing if he will make it to the next destination, not knowing if his life will end. And Paul came to tell us tonight, I need you to rejoice in the Lord. I need you to know the secret that I discovered being locked up in a Roman prison. See, they thought they were going to take my voice away, but actually they helped propel me into writing the books of the Bible that would be read over 2,000 years later to a fuel church on a first Thursday to help somebody overcome anxiety. And what does he say? Be anxious. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer petition and thanksgiving present your request to God I have to admit to you from the start that I have had seasons of intense anxiety in my life I have to admit to you that prepping for this series um, usually when I prep for a series I'm either coming out of what I'm preaching about and once in a while I'm in what I'm preaching about And just as of yesterday, as I'm putting the final touches on this message, anxiety came knocking on my door. Isn't it crazy how the enemy works? And I was dealing with a lot. Um, You know, I don't know if you know it, but I work not just on Sunday, but other days too. I know people's thoughts are, well, you only work one day a week. What do you do with all your free time? (laughs) I golf and go out to eat every day and go to Starbucks. You'll see me over there every day. Um... But as I was prepping, I literally got anxious about some things, some decisions I had to make, um, pastoring two campuses now and dealing with all the stuff, just a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. And it got to the point where I said, you know what? I had prayed that morning and I thought I had given it to God, but I really haven't, hadn't given it to God because it was still bothering me. And so I'm, I'm prepping, and then all of a sudden I said, you know what, enough is enough. i got to get out of this office. And so I, I did what I, what I know to do. I went and grabbed six or seven mini Reese cups <laughs> from my big candy jar in my office. Maybe there was eight. I don't know. I wasn't counting. But, um, and I walked out this north door, and I just walked around the parking lot, and I prayed while I ate the Reese cups <laughs> while I had the song on, um, um, 
Um, what's that song? What's that song that I've been listening to when I pray? What's that song by Bethel? Um, goodness of God. Is that it? Goodness of God. Is that the one? Yeah, is that the one? And um, I want to make sure I'm telling you the truth. Uh, and I put the goodness of God on it. I'm eating Reese cups, and it was awesome. The Reese cups were. Um, and, and, and I just sat out here on the step right by the, right by the kitchen, man, for like 20 minutes, and I put that song on repeat. And God said, you didn't give it to me in prayer this morning. You said you gave it to me, but you didn't give it to me. And right then on the steps, while eating the Reese cups, I gave it to God. Don't tell me God's not in the Reese cups. <laughs> this is a move. Someone just got set free from Reese cups right there. That's all, that's all you needed. That's all you needed. You came to church, go home. And right there, I, I, had, I made a decision to really release it to God. I have gone through seasons of my life. I, I have never been that person, and maybe you are that person that deals with it on a daily basis, but I've gone through seasons. There was a season, and you've heard me talk about this when I was in New Jersey, that I was in a, a real dark place, a season of darkness, a season where you feel like the walls are closing in, a season where my heart was beating and I thought it was going to come out of my chest because I was so anxious, and I, didn't, I felt like I was losing control to the point where I had to be on medicine for three months to deal with my depression and anxiety. And so, so, so I'm just kind of giving you some story on where I am. Um, throughout being a pastor, um, I, I have, I've gone through that. I've gone through that. And um, funny, I, I put it in the toughest, toughest and most stressful jobs in the world. And you know what number five was? Being a pastor. And, and I re checked out these stats. 75% of pastors report to be extremely stressed and depressed. 75%. 80 per, 80% of them will not be in ministry in 10 years. 91% have experienced extreme burnout. And, and so, so I'm not telling you something in this series that I haven't lived out and I've had to apply to my life because I, I, I've went through it. Um, and, and, and so our approach to dealing with this topic of anxiety is a spiritual approach, though. I need you to know that. And I am all for the holistic approach. And what I mean by that is I'm all for doctors and I'm all for medicine and I'm all for therapy and counseling. I be in counseling right now. Praise God. I have a count. I am Jacob and I have a problem. I pastor two churches and it's crazy. That's what I go in and I tell to him. I'm just like, I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't, I'm here, I'm there, I'm doing this. And, uh, and so the, I believe there's a, there is a, a holistic approach to dealing with anxiety. And I believe that some people need to be on medicine for a season and maybe some for a lifetime. I just want to let you know where I stand on it. Because there has been people in the name of Christ say, you don't have faith because you're on anxiety and depression medicine. And I don't believe that. I want you to know that right now. And if someone told you that, I'm sorry. I'm sorry they told you that. Um, this is just some bad advice, I believe. I, I believe that uh, it, sometimes you need a, a professional doctor. Sometimes you need a psychiatrist. Sometimes you need therapy and counseling. But me, I, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not here to prescribe you anything. But I am a pastor, and I'm, I'm going to come from God's word. Is that okay? 
I just want to set the, set the foundation here. Just want to let you know I, I am a pastor and I will come from the angle of the word of God. And um, if you're on medicine, um, uh, you know, stay on medicine as long as you feel you need to or your doctor needs you. If you're in therapy, stay in therapy, okay? Everybody good on that? Okay, cool. Just want to make, make sure. Um, and I say that because most of you think I just work on Sundays. Um, anyway, but sometimes I'm a little stressed out, and uh, we all deal with our stress and anxiety in different ways. But I want to go back to the scripture because Paul says, be anxious for nothing. <laughs> Everybody just laugh. <laughs> go ahead, laugh. <laughs> You're funny, Paul. Yeah, be anxious for nothing. Like, Paul, do you know that we live in this society of anxiety? The age of anxiety, like anxious for nothing. I'm, we're dealing with some crazy stuff. Mass shootings. School shootings. I, I can't tell you. I, I, I never was anxious about my kid going to school until the school shooting started, and now I'm anxious. Come on now. We got to be real in here. Um, 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 it, it hits me at times. It, 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 be anxious for nothing. Is this even possible, Paul? We got natural disasters and we got hurricanes and, and, and we got tornadoes and are my kids going to be safe? And, and, and then we got our jobs and like I, they're saying layoff. They're saying I may get fired and we got bills coming in and then we're worried about our future and we've worked so hard and what is our future going to be? Is there going to be anything left for us to retire? And, and, and we're thinking about all this stress, and, and, then, and, then, and then we get to the hate that is in our country because someone has a different skin color. The hate because someone goes up to someone and hugs them and says, I forgive you, even though you accidentally murdered my brother. And people are hateful at this guy for showing the love of Christ to somebody. My God, our society is so twisted. The hate that if we say we vote one way or the other way, that we're somebody's enemy or we're the devil because we're red or we're blue. That always gets a hush in the church, by the way. You ever want to kill a shout, just talk about politics. You notice I don't talk about it much. You know what I vote? I vote the Bible every time. I stay to that book. I stay to that book. The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I stand upon the word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. Yeah, someone was in Sunday school. The Bible. I love that. And so, so anxious for nothing. We're worried. We're stressed. We're looking over our shoulder at the grocery store. We're, we're looking at people and wondering, is that the one? Are they going to pop off? Like, if I say something they don't agree with, are they going to go crazy on me? My kids are getting bullied. Come on now. My pet's heads are falling. Oh, never mind. Sorry, I got into a movie there. Sorry, sorry. Forgive me. I'm a little anxious. So we got all these issues. And Paul says, be anxious for nothing. So I want us to look at an Old Testament prophet by the name of Elijah. Someone say Elijah. Are you good so far? I'm just laying this foundation. You got to be here every week to get this because I'm building each week. Each week we're building on this. I want to look at the story of a man named Elijah who really loved God but really struggled with anxiety. And I believe that's the case for many of us in here. You really love God. 
but you struggle with anxiety. Did you hear me? I said, you really love God, but you struggle with anxiety. And this was the case of this man named Elijah. We find him in the Old Testament, in the book of Kings, and we find him confronting a man by the name of King Ahab. He confronted King Ahab, this evil king, this king who was married to a lady named Jezebel. Now, I know in the church world, we say, look out for her. She a Jezebel. If you were raised in church, you heard that about a thousand times. Jezebel, see how short that skirt is? Jezebel. All the church moms calling them out. You see that cleavage? Jezebel. If you were raised in a Pentecostal charismatic church, you know what I'm talking about up in here. Every lady was a Jezebel. Dear Lord, we demonized every woman that didn't dress with a skirt down to the floor. We called her Jezebel. And here was this man, Elijah, and he was a holy man. He was a man after God's own heart, and he was a prophet unto God. And he prophesied to Ahab, what you're doing is evil. You're, you're in, you are a part of Baal worship. And, and, and King Ahab was condoning this Baal worship with 450 prophets of Baal, and they would worship and bow down and kiss this golden image of Baal. And Elijah said, this is wrong. You need to repent. You are leading this nation in the wrong way. He did not repent. And so Elijah said, listen, here's what's going to happen. Because of your sin, Ahab, there is going to be a drought on the land for three years. Did not rain for three years. Did not rain for three years. Three years, it did not rain. It did not rain. You needed rain. We need rain, right? We need rain to grow crops and food. And, and so it did not rain. But the Bible says that during that season that God provided for Elijah. Someone say he provided. He actually sent some ravens to feed him every day. He sent some ravens to feed him in the, in the midst of this drought, and uh, they, they still weren't listening to Elijah, and so, so um, Elijah and Ahab get together, and, and, and they said, man, I think what we need to do is a prophet showdown. World's greatest prophets, it happened, and so they... Elijah said, you bring your 350 prophets of Baal, and I'll show up, and you call on your God, and I'll call on my God. We'll put a sacrifice there, and we'll, we'll put water around the sacrifice, and we'll see which God answers by fire. And the Bible says that the prophets of Baal called on Baal, and no one, nothing showed up. The sacrifice was still there. And Elijah, he's, he's got a sense of humor. He's like, oh, what happened? Did your God fall asleep? <laughs> Where's your God? <laughs> You're calling on him, 350 you, just one of me. And he's mocking him and laughing at him. And then all of a sudden, God, Elijah calls on his God, and the, the sacrifice is consumed. Not only does it consume the sacrifice, it burns 350 prophets of veil to a crispy French fry that was at the bottom of the fryer at McDonald's today. <laughs> Destroys them. Well, this sent Jezebel off the edge. Sent her off. These were the prophets she was controlling. She loved to control things. She controlled her husband. And she didn't like that Elijah did this and that his God answered by fire. And so Ahab was bad, but Jezebel was on a whole nother level of craziness. And so she says, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. And I'm not stopping until I find you and kill you, Elijah. And Elijah, this man of faith and power, one moment, 
we find him in the text running for his life. Running for, for his life. He was gripped by this spirit of anxiety. He was gripped by this spirit of anxiety. So let's, let's look at the story. And as, as we look at the story, we're going to find four mistakes that Elijah made that we often make when we find ourselves anxious. For all my note takers, it's coming. Get your fuel pen ready that you stole last week. They're free, by the way. Take as many as you want, as long as you tithe. Anyway. <laughs> Just joking, not really. First Kings, First Kings chapter 19, verse 3 through 5. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord. That's what he said. I've had enough. Take my life. Take it. Don't want it anymore. Take it. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush, fell asleep. All at once, the angel touched him and said, get up and eat. I don't know if you can relate to Elijah. He was afraid for his life. And he comes to this place where anxiety and fear gripped him so much that he shouts out to God. I don't know if you've ever talked to God this way, but I have. I've had enough of it. Maybe that was you on the way to church today to the kids when they complained for the thousandth time today after you just bought the McDonald's because you were rushing to church. Come on, somebody. And they say, I don't want chicken nuggets. I don't want fries. I've had enough. Maybe that was you this week in your marriage. Come on, somebody. Maybe that was you this week at your job dealing with your coworkers and your nasty boss who's got a demon in him. <laughs> Anybody's boss have a demon? Don't raise your hand. I see hands up. Your boss may be in here. <laughs> I've had enough. Had enough of it. Not enough money. I've had enough of it. I've had enough stress. I've had enough of the schedule going crazy and just don't even have time to pay attention. Don't even know which way's up. I've had enough. I've had enough. Here we find Elijah. He had enough. Have you ever been to a place where you said, I have enough? I've had enough. Here are the four common mistakes that Elijah made that maybe we can find ourselves in the text. Number one mistake is this we run ourselves into the ground. Can we talk about this for a minute? God created a Sabbath for a reason. A Sabbath is called a day of rest. And so it's supposed to be protected. Most of your Sabbath is Sunday. My Sabbath is not Sunday. It's a work day for me. It's the only day of the week I work. <laughs> but Friday is a Sabbath for my wife and I and our staff. And so Friday is a Sabbath for us. And so we try our best. We don't always do it right, but we try our best to unplug from ministry. Just for a day, we need a Sabbath. And everybody needs a Sabbath. God created. Who created the Sabbath? God did. What did God do for six days? Huh? He worked. He worked. That's a word for somebody. Get a job. Anyway. Anyway, that was prophetic. You see, 
People say I don't flow in the prophetic. I do every week. Um, that's, a, that's a word for somebody. He worked for six days. He rested on the seventh day. God created the Sabbath. God created the Sabbath. But society and culture does not observe the Sabbath, right, for the most part. And God said, I created it for a reason. You need a day to rejuvenate. You need a day to get refreshed. And for most of you, that's Sunday. Could be Saturday for some, but for most of you, it's, it's a Sunday. You need that day. You come to God's house. You honor God, right, the first day of the week. You give your tithe, right? You're coming to church. That's a tithe saying, God, I, I, give, you the, I give you this first day of the week, and that's the tithe for the week. Amen? Are you following with me? The tithing has to do with money, but it has to do with so much more. That's why David said, early in the morning, I'll seek him. The first thing I'm going to do is give God a tithe for that day. I'm going to honor God. Tithing is all about honor. So you think it's about money, and God said, no, I, I, I want your heart. I want you to learn to honor me, to know that I am number one in your life. I don't want to be number two. I don't want to be after the frosted flakes. Come on, somebody. I don't want to be after the IHOP pancakes. I want to be number one. Someone's getting under condemnation, guilt, and shame right now. You ate pancakes before you prayed. You're all right. There ain't no shame in your game. So we run ourselves into the ground, and this was what Elijah did. He was afraid, and he ran. Now, if you study this out, he ran about 100 miles. Beersheba, it says. He ran from Beersheba about 100 miles. He ran for his life. Hit your neighbor and say, he ran for his life. He had no shoes on. He ran for his life. <laughs> he was worn out. He was exhausted. And this is what we do. We go, 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 and we don't, no, 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 no. We go, 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 and we don't, no, 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 no. And we run ourselves into the ground. I'm, I'm telling you how anxiety happens right here. We need to learn to say yes to the God things and no to the good things. We need to learn to say yes to the God things and no to the good things. Some of you can't say no, and there's your problem. You have anxiety because you can't say no. You feel bad for saying no, and you need to learn a powerful word today, and it's called no. Let's say it together, class. No, but they're my family. No, but I work with them. No, but they're my kids. No. Some mom over here is like, preach it. <laughs> preach it. I ain't washing your dirty under. No. Some husband's like, I ain't doing the honeydew list. Pastor said, no. I'm going to watch football. <laughs> Listen, I didn't tell you that. <laughs> do what you want to do up in your house. But, 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 but we, don't, we don't learn that. There's times I have to tell my kids, no. Here's the reality. Those three Kids are one day going to be out of my house. You know who's going to be left in my house? My wife. My wife. And I want a happy wife. Come on, somebody. Happy wife, happy life. And some of you, here's the reality. We'll move on to the second point. Here's the reality. Some of you have been going way too hard for way too long. And it shows. You have no peace. You have really no joy. You're here. You're serving. You're giving. But you're burnout. 
and you got to slow down. Number two, second thing we find Elijah doing is we shut people out. We shut people out. He, he told his servant, I don't need you anymore. The Bible says that he ran away from his servant, told his servant, stay there. I don't need you anymore. This was his accountability partner. This was the person he trusted. And he said, I don't need you. He went off on his own. He went off on his own. Listen, the greatest enemy to you finding peace for anxiety is isolation. Did you hear that? The greatest enemy to you finding peace for your anxiety is isolation. We are truly better together. That's why you need a group. That's why you need to be connected to a group. Pastor, are you ever going to quit saying it? Nope, because you ain't in one. Oh, I'm not talking to you. It's your neighbor. Okay. This is why small groups and being on a team are the heartbeat of our church because life is better together and we need each other. Some of you, your group and your team, that's your closest family. They've been with you through hard times and bad times and good times. They threw you parties and they visited you at the hospital. My Lord, you think of a church of now 1,600 people between Kokomo and Westfield that the pastoral staff can visit everybody? We can't do it all, but your group can. Your team can rally around you when you're sick in the hospital, and that's the power of being connected. But if you shut people out, no one shows up. You shut them out. We go to Isolation Island. You've heard me say it. And here's the truth. You will never be able to accomplish alone what you could accomplish with the help of others. You need others in your life. You need others in your life. Well, I'm just an introvert. I'm a, lo- I'm a loner. You need others. I didn't say you needed 20 people, but you need somebody. You need somebody you can call when you're having a down day. You need somebody to call when you're ready to just throw in the towel. You need somebody. We all need somebody. We all need somebody. I, I have two individuals in my life, two co-laborers, two other pastors that I go to and just spill it out. Here's what it is. I'm frustrated. Here's what I'm dealing with. These crazy church people. No, I don't call you that. <laughs> just some of you. Anyway, and you, you need people. You can't shut people out. So the first thing we do is we run ourselves in the ground. Second thing we do causes anxiety. We shut people out. And then the third thing is we focus on the negative. We focus on the negative. What did Elijah say? I've had enough. I've had enough. I'm no better than my ancestors. Here he goes comparing, right? Focusing on the negative. It's what we do. We say things like, my life is just too hard. I'm always going to suffer. Nothing good ever happens to me. I'll never have enough. I'll never be smart enough. I'll always be broke. I'll always be hurting. I'm not good enough. Woe is me. And we get the spirit of Eeyore on us. This is my best Eeyore impression. (laughs) Pooh's ready to change the world. Pooh's dipping out honey like it ain't nobody's business. Eeyore's, oh, there's a cloud up in the sky. It's going to rain. I mean, we're in revival here, but uh, I don't know if we really are. 
I don't know if anybody's life's being changed. I don't know why we're watching movies on Sunday. I don't know why it's so loud. I don't know why we got rapping on the stage. I don't know why the pastor's in skinny jeans that are way too tight. And the spirit of Eeyore hits us, this gloomy, pessimistic, depressed, pity party for one. Do you still love me? I didn't mean it. <laughs> Hit your neighbor and say, yes, he did. We focus on the negative. We focus on the negative. And no one put us in that spot except us. We blame others, usually those closest to us, usually those that live underneath our roof, to be honest. It's those we go after the first because we know they'll always be there, so we think. And we usually go after them. It's their fault that I'm dealing with this stress, anxiety. It's their fault. It's because of what they did. It's because of what she did, because of what they said, because they broke my heart. It's because of them that I'm this way. Listen, you can either be a victim of your past or you can be a victor of your future. It's your choice. It really is. It's your choice, church. Fourth thing we do, I gotta keep moving. My clock says zero, but I ain't listening to it. We forget God. That's what Elijah did. Think about this. Elijah, my dude, is calling down fire from heaven burning dudes, 350 of them, like a french fry in oil, gone, they gone, God showed up, his God answered, now rewind just a few days later, ravens fed you, brought you your filet mignon shrimp, come on somebody, red lobster biscuits on the side, holla, felt the anointing right there, right there on the biscuits, the biscuits. On the biscuits. You know that Jesus is for carbs, right? right? Let's make it sure. He said he was the bread of life. Anyway. Um, oh, then it, let's remind you, Elijah, what happened. The widow who was out of oil, who, who, who was about to die, and her son... Um, you told her, gave her some instructions, and her oil was replenished, and she fed her and her son. Oh, let's remind you, a few verses later, her son is on her deathbed, and she calls you in to pray over him, and you prayed over him, and his dead body, his dead cold body comes back to life. But Elijah, you forgot what God just did. Now you're running for your life from a lady that's crazy cuckoo for Cocoa Pops named Jezebel, and you forgot God. You forgot the goodness of God. And that's where we find ourselves. We forgot what God did. We're so focused on the here and now that we forget the history of victory that we have with God. We forget the goodness and the faithfulness of our God. We only focus on what's in front of us. Hmm? God's power showed up. God was present. God was faithful in Elijah's life. God provided, but yet he forgets, and we do the same thing. We do the same thing. 
We, we forget. We face our problems while forgetting our God. I don't know if you've ever done that. I don't know if you've ever done it, but I've found myself there lately talking about the problem, and then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit says, you didn't even bring it to me first. I'm like, wow, hey, you're right. How stupid am I? I'm talking to everybody else about it. Come on. We Facebook it to everybody, right? But we don't take it to God first. We, don't, we, we forget God in the middle of it. We forget that he made a way in our finance. We forget that he healed our child's sick body. We forget that he touched our marriage. We, we forget that he provided. When we had no money in our account, we didn't know how we are going to pay the mortgage, and all of a sudden, money showed up in our account. Now, it wasn't your neighbor that put the money in the account. They don't like you. You don't cut your grass every week like them. God provided the money in the account. God healed your sick body. God touched your child. Listen, listen, church. We can never forget all the ways God has provided because it's in his provision in the past that oftentimes provides the fuel for our faith in the present and for the future. Did you hear that? Can I say it again? Because you didn't get it all on your little notepaddy there, right there. We can never forget all the ways God has provided because it's in his provision in the past that oftentimes provides the fuel for our faith for the present and for the future. We forget God. We forget God. What did God do in the middle of Elijah's anxiety? Let's wrap it up here. What did he do? Did he leave him? Did he say, oh, you're weak. You're running from this lady. Threatened to kill your life after I did all these miracles. Did he say, you don't have no faith now, Elijah. I'm, I'm forsaking you. Let's look. 1 Kings 19, 11 and 12. The Lord said, go out. Stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord for the Lord. It's about to pass by. Then a great powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. There was the wind. The Lord wasn't in it. There was the earthquake, the Lord wasn't in it. There was the fire, the Lord wasn't in it. Earth, wind, fire. That's for all my old timers. I got love for you. I love your music. God, listen to this, listen to this, lean into this. Just give me a few minutes, lean into this. God wasn't in the remarkable, but he was in the ordinary. Now, you didn't catch it over here. You would have thought God would answer by fire. One of his sayings of his nature, God is a consuming fire. You would have think he would answer by wind and represents the Holy Spirit. You would think he would answer by shaking the earth because he's an almighty, powerful God. He was not in the remarkable, but he was in the ordinary. God was in the whisper. Listen, when we find ourselves overwhelmed by stress, 
overcome by anxiety, fear of our future. Just listen closely because that's when you'll hear the whisper. That's when you'll hear the whisper. That's when you'll hear the still, small voice. Why? Because God is so close. All he needs to do is whisper. I'm here. You're going to make it. You're going to get through this. Don't you dare give up. Remember how far I brought you. You may not be where you thought you would be or where you want to be, but you're not where you used to be. He's in the whisper. Why is he in the whisper? Because he wants you to trust him. And I know the devil shouts his lies of you're never enough. You'll always be lonely. No one ever cares. You'll never make it. But God whispers, I'm with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm close to the brokenhearted. Nothing can separate you from my love. Nothing. Nobody can separate you from my love. The end of Elijah's story is this. I don't have time to go to it, but listen, the end of his story is this. The very thing that he feared, the very thing that put him into this tailspin of anxiety, that very thought to put him on the run, that very thought to sit there and pin a suicide note on the broom tree, that very thing never happened. Watch this. Watch this. Second Kings, it says Elijah and Elisha, his protege, were walking. And as they were walking, the chariot of fire came down from heaven and took Elijah up in a whirlwind. And the mantle, the mantle fell on Elisha. The very thing that put him in that spot of depression, suicide, anxiety, the very thing that he thought, what, what did he think? I'm going to die. That very thing never happened. Watch this. He was anxious for nothing. He was anxious for nothing. Most of what we worry about doesn't happen. We're anxious for nothing. We're anxious for nothing. He feared death. Death never happened. He was taken up, the Bible says. Most of what you're concerned about right now that has you twisted up inside will never even take place. Oh, maybe sometimes it does happen, but it's not as bad as we thought. Other times, maybe it is bad, but I've learned this. When it is bad, God carries me through and turns something bad into good. So even in the bad, God says, I'm going to make this thing work together for your good and for my glory. Because... There's no storm God won't bring you through. Because there's no obstacle God won't help you overcome. Because there's no enemy that God won't defeat on your behalf. Because there's no heartache that God won't or cannot heal. Church, 
Be anxious for nothing. Bow your heads with me. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. Your word, it brings peace. Peace to our soul. Lord, you know the very thing that we're worried about right now. You know the very thing that concerns us. It's keeping us up at night, waking us up at night. You know the very thing that has us twisted in knots inside. Lord, tonight we have learned some things that we need to apply to our life. As individuals, tonight we, some of us are going to have to change the pace we're running. Some of us are going to have to stop shutting people out that we need in our life. Some of us are going to have to stop focusing on the negative. And Lord, help us all to not forget you, God, in the midst of it. Your faithfulness, your goodness, your mercy, and your grace that has kept us up to this point. We didn't deserve it. (laughs) We sure weren't good enough to receive it, but you gave it to us anyway. So Lord, let us be reminded tonight of your faithfulness. Let us be reminded that you're in the whisper. You're in the whisper. You're not in the spectacular. You're in the small, gentle whisper. Tonight, we listen to that small, gentle whisper of the Holy Spirit that says, peace, be still. We listen to that whisper that says, all is well with your soul. We listen to that whisper that says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We listen to the whisper that says, if I did it before, I'll do it again. We listen to the whisper that says, I am Jehovah Rophe, the Lord God who heals thee. We listen to the whisper that says, I am Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God who will provide for you. We listen to the whisper tonight that says, it's not over as long as I'm involved in your life. It's not over. We listen to it tonight. We tune out any negative voices. We tune out any negative people. And Lord, tonight, we make a decision to be anxious for nothing. To be anxious for nothing. To be anxious for nothing. Tonight, before we close, I want to give someone an opportunity to say yes to Jesus tonight. Maybe you came in here and you've never really committed your whole life to Christ and said a prayer of surrender. Maybe you've, you did it a long time ago, but really, you know, you're not right with God today and you just want to make sure and we want to make sure before you leave that you're right with God, that we all know tomorrow's not promised to no man and we want to make sure if you lay your head on your pillow tonight for the last time that, that eternity is heaven for you. It's a real thing and We never want to close an opportunity to invite someone to know God. God knows you, and he knows every part of you. Actually, he created you, and he knows you, and he loves you, but he wants you to know him personally. Not about him, but personally know him. He wants relationship with you. So we're going to say a prayer with you in just a moment, and as we do, I want you to say it 
mean it with all your heart, all over the auditorium as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, and we're not here to call you up front, make you stand up or anything like that. But before we pray, if that's you tonight, and you say, Jacob, that's me, I'm ready to give my life to Christ. I'm ready to surrender it all. I'm ready to rededicate my life. You can count me in on this prayer. If that's you tonight, would you just lift your hand up so I can see who you are? Then you can put it right back down. You're ready to surrender your life. Thank you, thank you, awesome. Thank you, guys. Yeah, hands up everywhere. Thank you, thank you. Way in the back, I see all those hands. Every section, there's hands. Yep, I see your hands. Thank you, guys. They're still going up. They're still going up. Anyone else? If you're thinking about it, just shoot the hand up. We want to make sure you're right with God. Just shoot that hand up. This is the first step on your spiritual journey. Thank you. Yep. Thank you over here. I seen that hand. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Many hands up tonight. This is awesome. Let's say this prayer with our friends tonight. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my heart. I believe that you died upon the cross for my sins to give me a new beginning and a fresh start that starts today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Fuel Church, let's rejoice with everyone. Once again, thanks for joining us for this week's message. If you would like to know more about us, be sure to visit us at thefuelchurch.com. It's also here where if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can click on the online giving tab. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And we hope and pray you have a blessed week.